0: When I was telling my kids what love felt like. That's what I felt like when we were doing the books and records for Firehouse 123. Warm, warm, fluttering. Uh, and I knew instantly I wanted to be an accountant.
1: Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. Welcome to Five Questions with our series of quick interviews with industry leaders, change makers, and those who inspire our community. We're talking professional journeys and about investing in your education and career and self with those who have been in our shoes. I'm Janetta Hott, founder of MBA Chic, a platforming community for MBAs and professionals around the world. We help navigate business school careers and more with the goal of propelling more women into the C-suite. Speaking of the C-suite, I'm here today with Lara Abrash, chair and CEO of Deloitte's US audit and assurance business. In her role, she is responsible for overseeing all aspects of the organization, including execution of the quality, innovation, growth, and talent strategies. As a leader in this space, Deloitte's public company audit clients total seven trillion US dollars in market capitalization. She's been instrumental in pioneering Deloitte's leading position to transform the audit profession through technology and innovation. She's involved with and serves organizations like the New Jersey Battered Women's Service and Girls Who Code, and she serves on the board of trustees of the SCC Historical Society and as a member of the Financial Accounting Standards Advisory Council. A licensed CPA in New York and New Jersey, she received her bachelor's in economics at SUNY Albany and got her MBA from Baruch College's Zicklin School of Business. Thank you for being here, Lara. I'm so looking forward to this.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm equally looking forward to it. You didn't share that we have
1: some similar backgrounds when you were going through my bio. I'm hoping you'll (laughs) hit that. Absolutely, we went to the same program. We did the MBA part-time and I'm so excited to get into that. (laughs) Fantastic. Sounds great. Yeah, all right. So this is MBA Chic, so let's get to that straight away. Uh, what drew you to the MBA degree and what did the MBA mean to you, the investment in yourself and your career now that you're on the other side of things?
0: Well, I'm, I'm lucky. I'll just start with that. When I was in middle school, uh, I was exposed to the world of accounting. We actually did a course in middle school where we did the books and records for something called Firehouse 123 and I got this warm and fuzzy feeling. People sort of make fun of me. Uh, I actually tell everybody that when I was telling my kids what love felt like, that's what I felt like when we were doing the books and records for Firehouse 123, warm warm, fluttering, Uh, and I knew instantly I wanted to be an accountant. So I, I ended up going to undergraduate school, got a degree in economics at SUNY Albany, But I always had my eyes set on accounting and Baruch, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's an awesome school. It's a great school in New York City. It's known for a lot of things, but it's really known for its uh, MBA program for accounting. So I chose it. I didn't apply to any other schools because I knew that was the one for me, Uh, but it wasn't easy. And so I learned, I would say the beautiful thing about MBAs, depending on where you are in your life, uh, when you do one, you get exposed to people that may have worked for a few years and then come back. And so for me, the benefits both of the coursework itself, but the people I was with every day, people that were five, 10 years older than me, also Baruch is an incredibly diverse school. uh, So I was surrounded by people that didn't look like me. It taught me a lot. And I knew it was an investment in my in me. And I got a lot of support uh, from my mom and my professors. I did have to actually, we were talking about this before we started, I had to commute from Long Island uh, to to get there. So I would get up around 4.35 in the morning. I would take a train, the really long train for anybody who's from Long Island on this call to New York City. And then I would work all day. Uh, at a small accounting firm and then around four o'clock I'd walk to Baruch and I'd be doing my homework in Penn Station uh, around mm-hmm. nine or 10 at night at the Penn Station bar. And then I would get back on that train back home. So there were so many lessons in that. There was the academic lessons, there was the resilience of continuing on, learning about business. And then I would just say the diversity aspect was, was really, really amazing.
1: Oh my gosh! Absolutely, it, yeah. One of the most diverse, and actually one of the largest programs. I later found out, which probably explains the traffic yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the lobbies. But yeah, that's fantastic. Oh my gosh! And the MBA can also be, you know, just such a huge unlock. Um, so it's it's great to hear what it's done for you, and uh, you're now chair and CEO of Deloitte's US and audit audit and assurance business. Was this always in your sight? You know, your passion and love for accounting from your post MBA days. To today, what did your path to the C-suite look like? And what do you think has been key to your success?
0: Well, in the early days, you know, in my twenties, my early thirties, I wasn't focused at that time on, like, I would say long horizon goals. I went from year to year at that point in my life, I was really focused on things like, was I happy? That, that's really important to me. And, you know, did I like the people I worked with? Was I learning new things every year? Was there opportunity to do something new? Was I relevant in what I was doing? Was I having fun? And over time, I started to accumulate experiences, accumulate relationships, start to learn, about how you get different opportunities. And I really was focused on piecing things together um, to see what did I want to do next? And I did start setting longer term horizon goals. I became a partner at our firm. I started doing different things. Uh, The CEO goal was probably not something until maybe the last 10 years where it started seeming like something I could potentially do, but it was really something that That you know was really, and this is a big piece of advice for me, uh, as far as keys to success, is trying to think about not a goal in a job people sort of get themselves very focused on like i want this job Mm -hmm. i try to think about goals now around what are the experiences that i that i may want to have that i don't have today people i want to work with things i want to learn places i want to work do i want to be overseas and learn about the rest of the world really focus on experiences and use that as the goal itself versus some end state Um, and also start to realize there's no straight lines right we talk a lot about you know, keys to success. I didn't become the CEO because I did these five things. There's no recipe. I have a lot of our young people come to me and say, oh, if I want to do this, what do I need to do? Mm -hmm. And you start to realize there's zigzags in life, right? There's things that you go off and do. And I'm also, by the way, a huge fan of this movie called Sliding Doors. Uh, It's a, it's a movie with Gwyneth Paltrow. And basically, she runs to the subway and she just misses getting on. And it's a whole movie about had she gotten on the subway, what would her life have been? And if she didn't get on the subway, what did her life look like? And I do think about that with careers. People often think about, well, if I did that, if I didn't do that, just accept the place you're in, learn from it, as opposed to thinking, well, what if something wouldn't have happened? So my own, I would say, you know, keys to success, uh, a couple things come top of mind to me and things I would just encourage others to, to think about. One is the importance of curiosity is something that I've been known for, just always wanting to learn and evolve. The importance of, you know, as I said, not having a job, but really focused on development areas. The importance of taking risks, uh, I would say to those of you who are, are listening, if you're not failing, that means you didn't take a risk. So failure is actually a sign that you're actually putting yourself out there and you should decide in your life whether you wanna be on the carousel or the roller coaster. But if you really wanna get to these other places, you're ultimately gonna have to take a risk and and you learn from them. So that's a big area that I'd say was a big evolution for me. Um, Being open to feedback, actually asking how you're doing. A lot of people, and I would say women sometimes fall more into this than even men, don't wanna know like how they're doing it's okay to not be getting everything right matter of fact that's better than someone not telling you something and then at the very end you find out you didn't you didn't live up to expectations um mentors and advocates are really important that has been incredibly important over my career having people support me help me um and then the last thing i often talk about is the importance of your brand and knowing that that's when the elevator door closes and someone talks about you they've got about you know a couple floors a time to describe you and often we don't think about it that way and we don't shape it so think mm-hmm. about when that door closes the next time or that subway door closes if we talk about the girl <laughs> like what are they saying and is that what you want your brand to be and if you're trying to get those different opportunities how do you make your brand something that's authentic and different because otherwise, how are they going to compare you from one person to the next? So those are just a couple of things I would say were important to my getting here uh, to where I'm at today.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm taking a ton of notes and I need to see sliding door for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay. To keep this moving, uh, what what drives you as a leader and driver of culture? And what's your overall leadership philosophy? Well, People.
0: I'll just start with that. I I would not be uh, a great leader if I was a leader of running assets and and I'll just say things that don't don't have heartbeats and don't come back. Uh, I love being with people. It gives me energy. I'm cathartic. I enjoy the. The ability to to help others, I would say, in our firm, uh, it's a wonderful place. We bring people out of college, and we we help sort of start their career and extend their career, whether they stay with us or go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so, over my life at Deloitte, I've had the opportunity over and over and over again to see someone come in at 22 years old and help them really uh, get to where they want to be. I often talk about our role as taking over where the parents leave off. Uh, doesn't mean that the parents go away. I'm, a, I'm now about a parent of one child who's about to go to college. I'm not expecting their employer to yeah. uh, take my role over but there's a lot of things about how are you successful in a corporate environment, how do you navigate? that world? How do you get the experiences you want? And I think that's our job. So I would say one thing that just energizes me and drives me every day is the ability to be with people. And, and so that leans clearly to my leadership philosophy, which is how do I engage uh, with people? And it's really about the values I'm looking to promote. And, and so three attributes come to mind, uh, vulnerability, empathy and compassion. Now, vulnerability is an outlook it's it's allows us to tear down our walls and being a vulnerable leader puts people in a place that you're relatable that actually you are opening up to them so that they can open up to you and that's a really important thing in an organization where you're trying to inspire people to be authentic and and to thrive empathy is also an important thing for me i would say in the pandemic over the last couple years this really came to roost when all of us were dealing with the same challenge. often in life, we don't know what each other are dealing with and it's hard to be empathetic unless someone's willing to share with you the loss of a relative, a hardship they may be having. When all of us at the same time were dealing with the same issues, it was no matter where you were in the world, you were scared and you didn't know what was gonna happen. So we talked a lot in our organization about that and that empathy and connectivity really helps Again, our people feel like they're heard because things become full circle and then compassion. Hopefully you hear this in, in my voice comes back to just caring about people. It's who I am. It's genuine. It doesn't mean sometimes you don't have to make hard decisions at work. Unfortunately, you know not everything is easy, uh, but everything I try to do is around trying to be compassionate. And that means actively listening to people, not just speaking at them, listening, sensing. Uh, and when you're a leader of an organization, you can't talk to, we have 15,000 people. I can't talk to every one of the 15,000, but what I try to do is use a lot of mechanisms to sense how our people are doing and then to really be part of the change. So I take those attributes uh, and I focus on how do I change? And, and I would say one example of that has been a real, real focus in the last several years on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we look at our business and our um, profession that I'm in, certified public accountants, and you look at black uh, CPAs as an example, the percentage of uh, black CPAs and the percentage of black CPAs coming out of colleges that could be a CPA, is woefully, woefully short. And so I went on a listening journey, trying to understand the data, trying to understand why not. And I use those vulnerability, the empathy and compassion to come up with something I'm really proud of. As a firm, we've developed something called MADE. It's called Making Accounting Diverse and Equitable. And we put $35 million behind helping not just the Deloitte employees, but how do we help people who are young in their career in their life rather want to actually pursue a career accounting and it's scholarships, it's money into communities. We're doing a lot of things and that's just something that shows how you can take your compassion and put it to uh, to good use.
1: Wow. That's amazing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it it really all gets back to your compassion and your, your empathy for people really just connection and, and having that I think we've kind of touched on this, but this is sort of a compound question. Um, What are you most proud of during your career and time at Deloitte? And what's been the most challenging? What's been the most surprising and why?
0: Yeah, probably the
1: thing, and it's not being
0: the CEO of, uh, of the business right now, probably the time in my career that was the most challenging and surprising for me was a few years ago, I raised my hand to be our transformation officer I was starting to see what was happening outside of the walls of our organization relative to people's ability to use technology for personal use. And I was looking at our own business saying, we still use Excel and Word. We weren't truly changing the way our people showed up and what they got. I often joke they could order a pair of shoes off of Zappos, and then they'd come in and have this horrendous experience. So. I raised my hand to do something that, quite frankly, at the time, I was probably the last person uh, that should have done it. I was probably still printing my emails, uh, and I said, you know, can I do this? And at that time, audit and, and innovation were two words you'd never here together. And I'm really proud that five or six years later, we have transformed our business, we use technology, it's part of who we are, uh, our people are tech savvy, they're on the cloud, they're leveraging analytics, they're leveraging AI, we've created next gen applications, it's an amazing turnaround, and we see it in the experience of our people. And And I, it gets back to my passion for people, there's a lot of other really great reasons that I could say we did this for we could we did it so that we would be the best quality firm i could say we did it because we'd be the fastest growing firm but ultimately i wanted our people to not call their mom and complain about their day and uh and say i had the worst day of the world because you know i was working with excel like i wanted to give them something that was real so that was probably the biggest challenge because mm. telling people to do something very different and auditors by their nature are skeptical that's why we but we do so well and getting people that were skeptical to change. So a big part of my role was really to be the ambassador uh, of change. And and it surprised me ultimately to look on the back end how how well we've done. Uh, But it was it it was a a really, really big challenge. I joke with people. And again, this is this is supposed to be a call for you to walk away hopefully with some lessons. I said out loud that if I was half successful, we'd be halfway better than we already were today. And it gets back to the willing to take a risk, fail, fail fast and learn, but also recognize that not everything has to be perfection. You know, progress is also pretty good.
1: That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> I can't believe we're already here, but we have the last question. We've, we've definitely woven this throughout, but what words of advice would you offer for those embarking on, you know, ambitious career paths, setting big goals in life and their career? Uh, what would you like to leave them with? Maybe a few things.
0: One, harness the power of relationships. I loosely talked about mentors and advocates, but ultimately in your life, people will be the biggest driver of your success or failure. And your willingness and openness to be somebody that gets mentored is really important. You could have a mentor, but if you don't use them, you don't approach them, you don't be vulnerable with them. You're not going to get out of it what you put into it. You've got to put the effort in So mentoring and harnessing those relationships is important. Asking for things, even if you don't get them, at least use that as a mechanism. Look for advocates, which are different than mentors. Advocates are people that have the ability and the authority to, to help you get what you want. Make sure you have those people. So relationships is incredibly important. I focused on you know this idea of brand. Differentiate yourself. Really start to think about how am I different from others? Find your superpowers. Those are the things that are your really top important things that come out of you and make sure they're for good, but also be focused on always learning. I talked about curiosity, both in getting smarter, being around thinking about around the corner, but also learning about yourself. You're not going to change by the time you're my age, the things you do really well or don't do really well from a personality perspective, but know the things that in your dark days um, you're not your best you and try to be focused on when is that going to happen? You're not going to make it go away, but just, it's about being aware of it. Be bold. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tell people, you'll be shocked how quickly you'll be my age in your life. Uh, don't let time go by and not be bold. Use the time on this precious earth to, to be bold, take risks. Those are really important uh, for me. Be authentic don't hold back, don't not be you. If you have a passion, go for that passion. Um, And I would say the last thing, which is maybe a little bit more for women, claim what you do. Um, Often I find women in particular will do some really, really great things and they just expect to be recognized. They expect someone's gonna come and find them and pat them on the back and say, hey, you're doing a really good job, why don't you go do this? Where well, the men typically are spending probably more of their time, and I'm so, so for the men listeners, I apologize, but there's a little bit of my years of watching. It's not every person, but the men's sometimes will spend more time on telling people what they do, getting that next opportunity. So claim what you do. Spend the time. Be smart. I have a, a daily to do list. Maybe at this point, I have more than one list. I have a lot of lists, but at the top of every list is a list of people I want to connect with. And some of them is to make sure they know what I'm up to. Some of it's checking at my point in my career to check what they're up to, yeah. but make sure that connection and that sharing what you're doing and openness to change is something that's top of mind.
1: Gem after gem, I'm like scribbling, scribbling these notes. Um, I'll give you absolutely. one more uh,
0: that I, yeah. I, I think I missed throughout the call. I haven't talked about well-being and work-life balance. I I just want to share two thoughts. I'm not a believer of the words work-life balance. That sounds like there's some, you know, spreadsheet that you're going to have some percentage of your time doing one thing and not doing another. I'm really focused on impact. Mm -hmm. So in your life, make sure you're focused on high energy, high ROI things. I play softball uh, and I love it. And it gives me a lot of energy, but it's not a lot of time. But it really fills my tank. So knowing those things that fill your tank, doing those, and making sure you do them in advance of the things that don't fill your tank. I joke about Thanksgiving at my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a tank taker for me. Uh, when all the relatives come in and they, it's, it's like I could script yeah. it out. Um, so making sure you're focused on impact is important. And then the other thing I would say is being really focused on you. You'll see as you're life evolves, and if you're really somebody who is, I'll say a leader, you're, you're not just a leader at work, you're a leader in all aspects of your life. You're a leader with your friends, you're a leader with your family, you're a leader in society and your community, and you can start to get pulled really quickly. And so my mom's advice to me that I hold true every day is you can't be there for others if you're not there for yourself first. And so putting you first, making sure you have the energy you're taken care of, then allows you
1: to be that leader with, with others. That's a really great way to end can pour from an empty cup, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love this advice. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I I can't believe we're we're at the end of it. This was fantastic. This was such a nice, like quick hit and to get kind of a view into what drives you and, and kind of how you've gotten to where you are is is really a treat. So thank you so much for sharing.
0: Oh, it's um, been great to be here.
1: Yeah. Now this is a quick interview, but we do love to end our questions, our conversations on a, on a fun note with a quick rapid fire. So shall we move to the final piece? Sure. Okay. All right, here we go. So what was your first job? I was a cashier
0: and worked at the deli at a supermarket called King Cullen on Long Island. Oh my God.
1: Yes. King Cullen. We had those right <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, what is your go-to power breakfast? Uh, Sunny side eggs, two
0: of them, and a piece of whole wheat
1: toast. Nice. Nice. Do you have a secret talent or hobby that people might be surprised to hear about? I mentioned softball. I think a lot of
0: people who know me know I play. I would tell people I love to cook. uh, uh, But, you know, I'm an awful baker, so I'm more on the savory side, but I do really enjoy it. And I do enjoy baking with my daughter, but I'm not as good at it.
1: (laughs) Uh, What song is currently playing on loop for you?
0: Well, I'm like a music junkie, so I listen to so many wide ranging things, Broadway shows, Beatles, Madonna, uh, Post Malone, Doja Cat. (laughs) Uh, But recently I've been listening over and over to the soundtrack of Hamilton. Uh, the Broadway show. My favorite song, maybe a good way to close this type of interview is there's a song called The Room Where It Happens. Mm. Uh, And it means a lot. I know there's this concept of having a seat at the table. Uh, To me, it means two things. You clearly want to be in the room where it happens. But if you can't be in there, you want to make sure the people that are in there have your best interests at heart. So I love that song. I I Mm. love that album. And it's something I try to think about when I think about, you know, having a seat at the table or being in the room.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was fit. That was a perfect way to end. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. That soundtrack is fantastic. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you for playing that fun rapid fire round. This was great. You know, thank you for being here, for sharing your experiences. I feel like this flew, um, but it was great to hear about your journey and, and get your advice for, you know, those of us following in your shoes. So we really thank you for making the time again. Thank you for having me. I had a great time being with you and thanks everybody. Thank you. You Take can care. find you can find Lara Abrash on LinkedIn and on Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, she's at Abrash Lara. So go follow her, where she checks her passion for her work, the work of her colleagues, a view into her, her travels with Deloitte and her family, and the latest on building a truly diverse and inclusive environment. And you'll get a view into her love for softball and the New York Mets. Uh, we'll share everything, including her full bio, on our website. So head to mbachief.com after this. Thank you again, Lara. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Have a great day. Take care. Bye.